So anyway, let's get on to the matter at hand. This is True Really News. would much appreciate if you would like, subscribe, and or follow us and have your friends do the same. And if you want to know where, guess. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> right Castro, where you are. Right Cast- here. <laughs> Castro Radio Public or Podbay will work. Or Castaway 2. Whatever happened to Castaway? Oh, we don't want to know what happened to Castaway 1. Oh, it wasn't so much Castaway as Lost. You know what happened to you? You're on that island long enough. <laughs> you'll figure out it was all a dream. Well, first you'll be... T- or you'll be talking to the beach ball. Either there way. There we go. This is True Really News with Scott Combs and Tony Vercanis. All the news you're about to hear is true. Really? As far as you know. So way back in the old... Oh, wait. I have one more disclaimer. Oh, go ahead. If you have kids... I've got just people are weird kind. Of, I got a couple of people are weird things going on here. Yeah, yeah. And the second one is not only weird but adult oriented. Oh, good. thank you for your support. Thank you for telling people. And now, sir, if you would, way tell back. me when you're done because I want to get to my stories. Are pretty good. Okay, it'll be just fine. Okay. You'll okay, carry on. Way your cue is the word entirely. Way back in the olden days, the year two thousand to be precise. A teacher in Mexico was charged with murder, convicted, and sentenced to 41 years in prison. So far, unremarkable. Manuel Valdovinos, a teacher in Texcoco City, insisted he was innocent and claims police beat a confession out of him. Today... Or now, I should say, because it happened a couple of days ago. 21 years later, Manuel has been released on a technicality. Hmm. What was the technicality? His victim was found alive and well in the United States. Yeah, that would be a technicality, all right. And not only that, but the DNA evidence used against him proved to be the DNA from someone else entirely. How in God's name... You've killed this man, and this DNA of that guy proves it. What? This is justice in our world. <laughs> if you're looking for perfect justice in our world, keep looking. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. A lot of weird stuff can float ashore. But this could, be near the, this could be near the top. Palm Coast, Florida, July 24th, a real-life UFO washed ashore. Unidentified floating object. No, no, I know it's kind of a letdown, but wait for it. It was a ham. It was a hamster-like wheel thingy, held afloat by red buoys. And there was an occup- occupant crew. There was, there was a guy inside. He wasn't an alien. He wasn't Atlantean. He Darn. was Ray Reza Abalucci, Flor- a Florida extreme athlete. Florida oh, okay. have been trying to to walk from Florida to New York, which normally would be no big deal, but he wanted to do it across the Atlantic Ocean. Dude, they've got highways for this. Yeah, exactly. Trains, for heaven's sake. Well, if you think about it, the ocean's kind of like its own giant highway with, with moving lumps. So you're an idiot like he is, is what you're saying. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. So he set off on his journey from St. Augustine or Augustine, depending on where you're from. July 23rd, less than a day later, though, he ran into some issues. According to the Facebook page at the Flagler County Sheriff's Office, the occupant came across some complications that brought him back to shore. The complications, according to what Bellucci told CNN, was his tracking device wasn't working correctly and his backup had been stolen, which asks 
it's a question who the hell else was out there to steal it. But I'm guessing it was stolen before he got going. Or it was stolen when he was overnighting somewhere on some beach. Sure. So he had no choice but to return to land all of 22 miles from where he started. Still, how, lo- how much water have you walked on? Go ahead. The U.S. No. Don't start. The U.S. Coast Guard was contacted, arrived on the scene to take over the case. <sighs> Speaking of the Coast Guard, they, are, they were the reason for his adventure. Well, partly. He said his goal was not only to raise money for homeless people, raise money for the Coast Guard, raise money for the police department, raise money for the fire department, because he tells Fox 35 Orlando. Fox 35 public, Orlando. They are in public Our service. news or it's crap. Exactly. They're in public service. They do it for safety and they help other people. Sure. All right. So he planned a three-week journey from St. Augustine to New York. Would have seen him travel more than a thousand miles over the sea. My legs are tired. His vehicle <laughs> called the bubble powered by him officially known as a hydropod, because apparently we have names for everything. The vessel consists of a <laughs> We've metal... got words for everything, too, just oh, so know, you know. Just like the French. It's yeah. amazing. The vessel consists of a metal cylinder, and as Bellucci walks in it, the whole contraption turns like a hamster wheel. It's two buoy and paddle-filled side wheels propel it forward. There you go. I would love to see a picture. I haven't yet, but it must be some sort of weird monstrosity. Uh, despite the failure of his attempt, you, you can't really say that Bellucci hadn't prepared for the journey. He has sunk thousands of dollars into his hydropod with a hammock for sleeping, a satellite phone, a water filtration system, and a solar panel array. <sighs> he had planned to feed himself with protein bars, ramen noodles, so he's back in college, and any fish he could catch along the way. Wow, he is back in college. <laughs> Unfortunately, someone had apparently nicked his backup GPS tracker and charging cables, at least what's, what he's telling so when he reached Palm Coast, he had planned to just pop into the store, buy a new one, and be on his way. But the Coast Guard showed up. They were, let's just say they prevented him from taking back to the sea on his feet. David McAuliffe, a spokesman for the Coast Guard, told the Times of New York, no less. They used to be a really great newspaper one day. It was a while ago. but It was a Thursday. Anyway. Yeah, in 1971. The uh, 68? I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The New York Times, the Lone Mariner would have to comply with what's known as the Captain of the Port Order. Because not only do we have words for everything, we have regulations for every freaking thing, too. Okay. Bellucci must have an escort vessel, certain specific safety equipment, and he must submit submit a voyage plan to the Coast Guard. Failure to comply with the captain of the port's order is punishable by a civil penalty of up to $95,881. How do they get the extra $1? I'm guessing it's for, you know, postage and handling. Oh, okay, there you go. There may also be criminal penalties for violating the order. So I'm guessing jail time could be involved? Potentially. Yeah, he's not real thrilled with the orders. He would prefer to do the journey alone, thank you. But he says that his team is in talks with an owner of the fishing fishing thing. Did you ever notice when you do these stories, every now and again – they have bad typos. Oh, yes. Yeah. The owner of the fishing something who has expressed interest in sponsoring him. I'm guessing fishing boat company. Okay. Maybe it's bird's eye. And more than having company on the trip, the man is afraid of losing his hamster wheel. So I could the, see that. So was the hamster, sir. Bellucci has tried similar ocean voyages before with exceedingly poor results. Hey, please. <laughs> batting a thousand he's a a serial failure his first trip on the wheel was in 2014 tried to walk from florida to bermuda 
Uh, Coast Guard had to rescue him. One would think. He again ignores the orders and attempts the Bermuda trip again. And again, ran into issues. This time he got three days into his trip. Activated ye old emergency beacon. Wow. I mean, he means well, right? He wants to raise money for good causes. Well, well and he wants to try something that hasn't been done. I get yeah. that. So. The Coast Guard, though, supposed recipients of his generosity, if he ever does this, mm-hmm. have had to rescue him time and again. Each rescue comes with a rather pricey tag on it. Oh, yeah. Like the 2016 rescue required a boat, an airplane, a helicopter, and a cost of $144,000. Hmm. Maybe we could get the Coast Guard to just donate the money to him, and he could donate it to them. He, wow, dude, you could be in government. I am that smirk. He says, one thing is, I want to show people, you know, as if sometimes you fail, don't ever give up on your dream. Dude, do not eat Mexican food before you go to bed. They'll help your dreams. And if you insist on it anyway, eating spicy food, find a cheaper dream. (laughs) Thank you. So you're a Coast Guard pilot flying over part of the Alaskan wilderness. And you see a giant hamster wheel. Almost. Oh. When you notice a remote mining camp. Okay. On the roof of one of the buildings, you see SOS. And on another, help me. Oh, at first I thought it was ABBA, but go ahead. Yeah, really. Being a well-trained Coast Guard aviator, you deduce something is not right and go in for a closer look. It's then you see a man frantically waving his arms to get your attention. What happened? The 50 or 60-year-old man, whose name is not given, was attacked by a grizzly bear and dragged to the river. He escaped to the mining camp, but the bear kept coming back every night for about a week. Well, come on. You hate it when your snacks get up and leave. (laughs) Not only that, not only that, but the man was down to his last two rounds of ammunition for his pistol, which tells you exactly what use the pistol is against a grizzly. Not a lot. You need the right kind of pistol for that. All it does is annoy the grizzly. (laughs) If the Coast Guard chopper, by the way, hadn't been diverted by about a mile due to weather conditions. Yep. They never would have seen him. Never would have seen him. Wow. They took him to Nome, where he insisted on walking to the ambulance. Garden? (laughs) Okay. I feel bad now doing this story after that, because... Okay. If you have kids, please plug their ears. Go get them, Casey. This is this might be towards the top of the old WTH file. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's. Uh, I'm just going. An unidentified man is calling libraries around the country so that he can pleasure himself listening to a court case. What? Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. The hell. Yeah. And the shtick is always the same. A phone rings at a library. Librarian picks it up in her friendly manner, asking how can she help? And on the other end is a man who wants information about a court case. Brady v. Maryland, 1963. You claim he doesn't have a computer and asks the librarian to read the case file out loud so he can take notes. As she reads the file, it soon becomes clear that he is 
He's enjoying taking notes. what he's hearing a bit too much. <clears throat> In case the heavy breathing and other um, sounds <laughs> don't make it apparent, yeah. he would also say those, those, oh yeah, spank <laughs> those prosecutors kind of things. Give me that exculpatory evidence. <laughs> this sounds <laughs> like a really bad line from the practice, doesn't oh, it? Oh, man. I have... <laughs> And this is a real time- story. This is true. Somebody didn't make this up. And it's not a one-time thing. Holy Pete. He has harassed librarians in several states and apparently will continue to do so until I get him thinking someone finds him. One anonymous librarian detailed the encounter with the um, court case pervert. He's called multiple libraries and done this, and the FBI is supposedly involved and can't catch him. That's just calling libraries and getting off on librarians reading about some random court case. The real deal also struck uh, struck up in the librarian's own workplace. Luckily enough, though, they found a way to shut him down. Okay. Apparently, the dude called my work, and I wasn't there for it, but they put him on hold because they were like, is it him? Is it him? <laughs> they, got <a> male, <laughs> they got a male cold worker to take the call, and he hung up. Uh, so I'm guessing this was him. So it is, it's about the librarian reading. The, the, female, yeah, I'm the girl, guessing, the lady, I the woman. Don't. No, exactly. Uh, may not be the first time the man has terrorized libraries. According to a post on Library Think Tank, a Facebook group, a uh, similar thing has happened a few years back. Library terrorism is the worst kind. So they're forewarning anyone that everyone and anyone that should someone call for information on Brady v. Maryland, call the FBI. So Brady v. Maryland, let's get to it. Do the case in five... <laughs> I'm still stammered at what he does. Yeah, exactly. Do the case files detail some kind of a sexual assault, or is it a case of pornography, maybe? Yeah. No. No. There is nothing about Brady v. Maryland that would be the least bit titillating. It's pretty much your bog-standard court case concerning the judiciary process. Its only significance... Well, that I understand. ...is the U.S. Supreme Court determined that the prosecution must hand over all evidence that could exonerate a defendant to the defense. Mm -hmm. Exculpatory. Yeah, yeah. Believe, right? Yeah, yeah. So we could ask Patrick's brother. He's a that do anything for you? Make you a little hot and bothered there? Me? I'm already sweating. Yeah, see, but not for the same reasons as the other guy on the phone. I'm just (laughs) by the way, the decision's not very sexy either. It's about two men who were sentenced to death for the 1958 murder of an older man. Oh, this is bizarre. Prosecution didn't didn't apparently deliver certain documents. And that's how it ends up going to the Supreme Court. I know. This is so deeply weird. This could be the WTH. Actually, this could be the WTF champion of all time. Agreed. Even weird for me. And we know what that takes. This is True Really News. Send email to TITR at netradio.network.